Hey, I'm Karen Cubides, a music-obsessed entrepreneur and educator who calls Music City home. My career started in Boston, where I found my real passion, working behind the scenes in the music industry. I've had the honor of working with elite performers and educators. Consider this your go-to guide for all things healthy, wealthy, and wise. So, get comfy, because we're about to uncover some surefire ways to transform not only your career, but also your life. This is the Musician's Guide Podcast. Hi friends, welcome to another episode of the Musician's Guide Podcast. Happy July. I am sitting here again with my favorite person ever, Jen. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. I love how that was a little bit forced. You're like favorite person ever. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, it's a vibe. Um, and we're going to continue our series um, from the non- from the perspective of a non-musician. I always mess that up. I need to learn that one. <laughs> um, and today's theme is going to be negotiation. Um, that's really come up in conversations with our clients, especially with emerging artists, on how to be a better negotiator, especially as the world is opening up and there's lots of possibilities. You know, we've all diversified our portfolios in some capacity during the pandemic. Um, so now we have, you know, more choices and options and or we're just exploring a different market or possibilities. So we just want to share, you know, our top three things that we find helpful in a negotiation, um, whether that is with financial implications, with an actual job. What is happening outside our window? I don't know. This is like so effing loud. If it's not woo girls, (laughs) it's like motorcycles. What is happening? He's just letting you know just how cool he is. Apparently. Um, Anyway, so um, Jen, do you have any thoughts on, on everything I just said? Yeah, no, I'm really excited to dive into this. I feel like right now I'm in my late 20s and obviously like you're in your early 30s you're and things like that. You're not in your late 20s. Yes, I am. You're in your mid 20s, Jen. Okay, listen, 25 I feel like is mid 20s, 26. Oh it's gosh. like you're basically 30. <sighs> Doesn't matter either way, but I'm trying to say is that what I'm trying to say is that I feel like I've applied for enough jobs and gone through enough interview processes I feel like that are very high stakes, very stressful, so I'm excited to kind of showcase what I know as far as negotiation and I just went through one too so I like, know wait we have to so tell never. everybody um also I'm 30 so rude your life starts at 30 just so you know for anybody yes. listening it gets better after 30 I promise pinky promise um okay so let's catch everybody up on just how much of a badass you are um you're not gonna say it so I will Jen is a <laughs> principal she's the head of academics at a really fancy school um what you're like the only woman in like a leadership position yeah and you're managing like over 100 plus students oh my god in like all three divisions of elementary middle and high school and it's also hockey so it's an athlete school so they're all student athletes it's it's a lot like you said it's a vibe but yeah I'm really excited and it's good and it's very different and I feel like for the past couple of years that I've been in corporate education it's really prepared me to be in the position of leadership that I am now even though I still get tongue-tied like I just did a little position <laughs> yeah yes well okay can you just tell us how you had like three offers at once too yeah it's just it was insane I feel like now post pandemic I feel like everybody's market value has gone up a little bit especially mine at least being a teacher during the pandemic nobody would ever would wish their worst enemy to have that job during the pandemic so I feel like it's giving me a lot of like stakes to be able to say hey like I'm actually qualified or I can do this or I can do that because I've been able to be resourceful through the work that I've been doing so it it was it was really nice and it was awesome and I feel too like a lot of people in my position or in my age group don't necessarily get that opportunity so I'm I'm excited 
Yeah. And of course, you're like my number one hype girl. That's just like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? It I can't blow the mic out. But. a big deal, Jen. <laughs> and I'm so proud of you and you deserve it all. And it's, I mean, it's a pain in the ass for me because you're my project manager and you're like having to save the world. And I'm like, but I want more Jen in my life. But also <laughs> it's just so badass that you get to do that and that you're qualified. Like I'm, I'm really excited about that. And it was really interesting too to like finally help you prepare for a presentation in your life um, mm-hmm. and to kind of, you know, figure out like how are you going to sell yourself and how do yeah. you negotiate? So I feel like there's a lot of like juicy stuff. Oh today. yeah, absolutely. Sorry for the sound effect, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> I am here for it all. And that's what I, yeah, I want to dive through it. And I feel like too, me and you have been in a unique position of like together having to hire a lot of like interns and people and vendors too, like whether it's video yeah. people, photograph or photographers, not photograph people, photographers. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so We're I feel so like professional. we truly are <laughs> photo people, <laughs> but we've gone through that together. So I feel like we're pretty, pretty versed in yeah. when it comes to negotiations. And you know, whatever we share today, like always question the source. Um, this is just one of the many ways to do it. And we actually just picked our top three so we wouldn't like be here for a million years, but there's a million other things to consider. So if you have any questions, like feel free to reach out to any of our brands or, you know, at the musician's guide. Um, and we would love, love to help you. So, um, I want to start with the first thing in a negotiation in you, I don't know, even like applying for a job, being interviewed, um, anything related to talking to another human. Yes. Can I cut you off and build suspense to this of first course, one? Yes. Okay. One thing that I want to say though, kind of as a disclaimer to what you said, all of these tips are not age specific. So you mm. could be applying for a, your first job at 16, or you could be applying for tenure at a whatever age you want or a prestigious university or orchestra, or whatever you want to put it. So I feel, I feel like that's important to say too, because I feel like sometimes you might think it doesn't apply. All of these, I feel like apply across the board to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, and you know, I think a lot of this too, um, I'm personally looking at it and, and I share the perspective of emotional intelligence meets the Enneagram. So part of this is, you know, self-awareness, social awareness, all of that, but then also like knowing thyself and I'm going to get super annoying on the podcast moving forward. I think that's (laughs) the number one priority for you to know thyself. So in negotiation, the first step that we definitely want to talk about is this Brene quote that you guys have heard me say so much, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. So essentially ask the questions, get some clarity and know exactly what you're applying for or maybe what you're being job offered a job for um, and make sure you know what is going down. I cannot tell you after thousands and thousands of contracts that I have given people over the years, I would say 75% of people do not freaking read them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, just on any side of the table that you're on, asking the questions doesn't make you less qualified. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's what sometimes people are afraid of doing. They think, oh, if I ask the question, like, what does this role entail? Then they go into this hole in the spiral that like, if I ask that, then that means that I didn't actually do my research and I don't know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. and I don't know what the organization's about. And that's not true at all. I feel like being in the position of having interviewed people, I like when they ask questions because yeah. whether or not the person is able to answer them to the extent to what I want, it then also helps from an organization standpoint for them to solidify their thoughts as well, which is a good thing. Cause I know sometimes we've had interns or 
employees or vendors who have who have asked us questions and then we're like oh no like we actually don't know the answer to that one obviously we answer respectfully but we then go back and kind of reframe all of that which is good yeah and it actually gives the person that's hiring you more information also on like your personality Mm -hmm. um so back to the enneagram or you know the three centers of intelligence you know there's personalities that are more gut driven and gut oriented. There's personalities that are more emotion driven, that they filter things through emotion or more cerebral. So even as we've all experienced, maybe on gigs, like that person that maybe asks a lot of questions or the person that's like really excited and really emotional about something, or maybe the person that's just like doing everything or moving a lot, or, you know, there's just a lot of inertia and momentum. Like you can experience that in an interview. And I think it's, it's in your best interest to, you know, figure out also how your potential future employer or the person hiring you operates so you can better communicate. And I think that we just feel like, we have to convince people that we're qualified. Mm -hmm. And I just want to share that cost is only an issue in the absence of value. So if you are adding value and if you are the right person for the job, don't sell yourself. Like you're already there. Like relax. Yes. You almost made me lose my train of thought of how good that that (laughs) little one liner was. I love that for you. Yeah. The next thing that I was going to say too, along the same lines of asking questions, there's also strategic ways to ask the questions and where they're not framed in a rude manner or in a way that might not be socially acceptable for the position that you're in. So for example, if you're going to ask in a job interview, let's say the job starts the salary at, I don't know, 40,000 a year, however you want to put it. I don't know what job you're doing, but 40,000 a year, let's say you start at that. If you then ask, if I'm in this position, how much will I earn the next year and the next year? That is too nitty gritty as far as just assumptions that you're going to stay in that role, that they're going to increase your salary. There's just a lot of assumptions that at the end of the day make an ass out of you and me. Mm -hmm. There's better ways to ask that and where you can frame. Is there a, uh, I guess, what would be the way? Is there a way to grow in this position or Mm -hmm. is there room for growth? What do you see for this position in the future? Mm -hmm. Questions like that, that put it more on the organization and less on you as an individual and how you are going to grow for their organization. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for musicians too, it's like, I've talked about this before when it comes to like endorsements and working with manufacturers, we often think that it's only our talent or it's only like you're following on social media or it's only whatever. The reality is every business, every organization has a bottom line and has an intention. So when you're looking at sponsorships, it's not so much, are you the best player or the most qualified? It's, are you going to sell instruments? Are, is you, is being is partnering with you going to accurately represent this company and push products or push whatever their bottom line is? And maybe that's a little sad, but that's really the reality. So the mm-hmm. same thing goes in a business. Like they're not just looking at your credentials. They're not just looking at your personality. There's like a lot of other factors that you might not even know. So that's where having that clarity is going to be super huge, not only on, on what you're signing up for, but also what you're getting out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Do you want to move on to the next one? Yeah, let's do it. Incredible. Do you want to say it or do you want me to say it? Uh, You can go. Okay. So the second one that I think is crucial, or the second tip, I guess, that I think is crucial when it comes to negotiations, job interview process, any of that that has to do with a high stakes interaction with someone that you're trying to sell yourself to or that you're trying to be hired by is to make sure that you do your own research doing your own research as far as the organization, doing your own research as far as the market value for the job that you're applying to. If that salary is a specific number, you want more, you want less. I don't know why you would want less. I feel like the quote from the office, a demotion, please. (laughs) (laughs) 
you want to make sure that you know that and that you walk into that interview feeling confident as far as what it is that you're applying for. And again, reinforcing what we said before, ask the questions once you get there, of course, if you have any, but make sure that you're not walking in saying, okay, I'm going to be a manager. And then they're like, okay, do you like, what are your strategies or what are your whatever as a manager? And you have no idea how you would sell yourself to apply that skill set into that job, Mm -hmm. which is again, something that's not really talked about very often. Yeah. I think just the value of having data. Um, we've, I know we've used the word assumptions a lot, but I feel like that is so, so easy sometimes when maybe our ego gets wrapped up in things or, um, I don't know, as we're growing our confidence, there's just like a fine line between like confidence and entitlement. And I'm speaking for myself, like even when I have considered, you know, going back to corporate America or whatever, and it's just like, well, I would need this and that, and I would only do it under these circumstances. And I just create this like movie world where it's like, no, Karen, that's not how the universe works. Um, So really do your research on, you know, what are your boundaries around this position? Like I, especially for emerging artists, am such a huge fan of the quote unquote day job. And this is like a different podcast for another day, but how you make your money is nobody's business. And mm-hmm. there are so many fantastic life skills that you can learn from a non-musical job. So do your research on what this actually entails. Do your research if there's boundary of space. I'm getting an accent. <laughs> there's boundary <laughs> of space. Um, and, you know, like, can you leave your work at work? Like, what is that involvement? And Jen, I mean, you can attest to this being someone... <laughs> I sent you a meme today that I was like, I wanted that nine to five and now I work 24 seven. Yeah. (laughs) Boundaries. Mm -hmm. Can you share your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like boundaries of time is the biggest thing. And I think I was going to say something else as far as just negotiation, but yeah, to amplify your point. Absolutely. Like knowing that again, ties into everything else. If they are then telling you right in that interview that you are going to have to work beyond the nine to five scope, then that skill set that you're bringing to the table might be reimagined in your salary and in your contract if that is the case whether that be for a gig if they're asking you to do something extra something after i'm not sure exactly how that works but in my brain you would want some sort of compensation for that because your time is not free your time is you and your time is your skill set and all of that that goes with it as well like you're allowed to ask those questions and make those demand respectfully without it being entitled and more of just factual like it it is what it is and i think too the other thing that i was going to add to it before is when it comes to market value, as far as a position and what you should be earning in that, there is also the demand that goes with it. So I guess what would be a good example for musicians in that case? Um, as far as like market value and demand. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I would say like um, in, in the private teaching capacity, like if you know, there's a, if you're working with a school district, for example, that can't keep a trombone professor or a trombone teacher, um, to be dependable, um, there, it might be because the pay is really low or it might be for many other reasons. So if there's demand, you get to come in here and actually set your rate instead of like Mm -hmm. only going by whatever the district is offering you. Yeah. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say that too. And the other side of it, I guess, which I was thinking as you were saying that out loud, if you are the only person in that specific town and that specific school that's able to teach a specific instrument, capitalize on that. I feel like if you are the only person with a master's degree, capitalize on that. If you are the only person that knows how to do a specific thing, even if it's, I don't know, in, in in a job that might have elderly people and you're the only person that knows how to convert a pdf to a word document like capitalize on that (laughs) be like do you know how to do this i didn't think so stacy and just move on you know yeah absolutely yeah also mentioning masters and whatever um 
I don't necessarily think, and this is maybe spicy, that education matters in a negotiation in the sense that if you're in an interview already, they have your resume, they know your education. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to throw in anybody's face how many degrees you have or what that looks like. And I've experienced that personally in various hiring processes and committees where it's like, when it's kind of like if you have to tell somebody you're rich, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just jaded because I don't have a master's, but I'm just like, mm, I don't know. Like experience yeah. and and personality and I don't know. That synergy to me matters slightly more than, you know, your qualifications. Yeah. So here's where I think it would come into play for not the specific job that I have now, but well, actually, hang on. Let me create a, a variation of that so I can create a scenario. In the role that I'm in, I have a master's as a reading specialist. A lot of the students that are going to come to the center have some sort of form of dyslexia or something in where my specialty as a reading specialist would really be an asset to that. I wouldn't necessarily say, well, I have a master's degree and blah, blah, blah in the hiring process or negotiation, but I would say I would be such a great asset to help I don't know, Bobby and Patricia and whatever, help them with their reading skills because I happen to have a master's. Like almost like you should be shocked as well. Like, <laughs> can you believe it? I can't even believe it. Whoa. Like coming in with that humility into that to say, hey, I could really, really help you with what I've learned yeah. because I'm very passionate about it is very different than being like, are you kidding me? I have a master's degree. Do you not know who I am? Like absolutely not Paris Hilton. Put it away. Like that's very, very different. I completely agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you want to go ahead and say the last one? Yeah. So the third thing in a negotiation, um, in our experience is knowing your worth. Um, and again, you guys know that I'm a huge advocate, especially for emerging artists, like making sure that you ask for what you deserve and what you want, but with some boundaries and with some caveats. So maybe Jen, you can share that slightly more gently than I would. Oh no. I thought you were on a roll. You were doing it really great. But yeah, I just think respectfully like I just mentioned I think that's a really great example of just like knowing your worth knowing what you bring to the table but knowing that in that table outside factors that you might not know of a lot of things might be going on that you need to be aware of and emotionally intelligent enough to know that if you are presenting yourself in a specific way and they don't necessarily need you for that job they don't take you it's not about you it's about something beyond you so I think along with negotiation also comes rejection because if your boundary is I cannot work on Fridays let's say because I have a kid because I have this and I need to pick them up or whatever the case may be you then need to know this fit this job isn't a fit for me so I think Mm. in that negotiation negotiating for yourself how that job is going to fit into your life because at the end of the day even though we do live in a capitalistic society our work is not what we do. Like it's not everything or it shouldn't be at least. I mean, I say that now and I've worked like 14 hours today. (laughs) So I'm lying through my teeth, but it shouldn't be your full identity of who you are. Like you should have a life. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, I think too, in the knowing your worth component, um, you know, this is where I really am excited and I, I cannot recommend thinking like a business enough, especially as an individual, because in business, we gauge what's called ROI, which means return on investment, which I'm sure you're all familiar with. And for me, as I'm going in a negotiation, you know, you're not just thinking about exposure, which everybody can roll their eyes. We're not just thinking about the monetary compensation. We're not just thinking about our own budget. Like I got to pay my rent or I got to pay my groceries. It's more of like, what am I getting out of this? And it becomes a slightly bigger, more holistic negotiation in that if I'm maybe not making as much as I quote unquote might need for X, Y, and Z, but the value that this is bringing me far exceeds the pay, Mm -hmm. then it is worth it. 
So yes, know your worth. Absolutely be humble. Definitely clear as kind, unclear as unkind. But then also really take a step back, zoom out from that 30,000 foot view and look down and see like, is this actually worth this? And Mm -hmm. don't be surprised if the compensation isn't always monetary. My gosh, what is happening outside my window? Come on, motorcycle yeah. man, you're stealing just, my thunder. It was here at the beginning, it had to be here at the oh, end. Oh, Lord. Um, yeah, so the the vibe really is just like getting to know thyself, back to, the, back to basics. And, you know, in the knowing your worth part is the knowing yourself and knowing what you're wanting out of this. And I know all of us, especially in music, are, are going to different positions and exploring different areas as kind of stepping stones and whatever that next level and, you know, whatever up-leveling looks like for us. Um, so... I just want to invite you to consider that it's not just always going to be a monetary transaction mm-hmm. and that there's a lot of value. Like I have learned from incredible people at a fraction of maybe what my value or worth quote unquote was, but that return on investment was significant and it made a huge difference. Um, y'all know that I worked with the fifth house ensemble. I was their marketing director. My mentor was the executive director at the time and they paid well under market value. But what I learned was invaluable. I learned Mm -hmm. how to be on a staff meeting. I learned how to try and not um, fuck up an email marketing campaign where I literally (laughs) sent the wrong subject line to 10,000 people. Like I would have never learned that anywhere else. Um, How to, you know, present in a board meeting. Um, I had done that in my early twenties, but I hadn't done that as like an adult where it was no longer cute. And it was like, oh my gosh, like I have to be better prepared. And, you know, just, there's like a million things that I learned from that job. Um, I even, as you guys know, got fired from that job and it was like the most beautiful firing experience of all time. So it's also equipped me to do a good job at firing people, which is a really hard thing to do. So, mm-hmm. um, I just want to encourage you, um, to just really consider it from all angles. Um, and, and don't get so caught up in what society thinks, what your friends think, what your parents think, what, what you think you should be making at what age or mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, you're not running out of time and don't compare your chapter one to somebody's chapter 20. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't, I can't even add anything else. That was such a great ending. I, good night, everybody. Like that was just amazing. <laughs> See you next week. Like what? <laughs> Incredible. Oh yeah. my gosh. Jen. Absolutely. Um, well anyway, y'all, so that's, that's the recap. Um, so top three things, clear as kind, unclear as unkind. Number two, do your research and three, know your worth, but respectfully and <laughs> clearly. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, thanks for listening, you guys. You're amazing. Um, if you think of it, it would totally help us if you could write a review on Apple um, just so more people can find the podcast. Um, we're going to bring that back. Um, and check out our our Instagram, um, The Musician's Guide. Um, our incredible team member, Jess, uh, created a super helpful resource tab. Um, and we're adding all sorts of new things regularly. So check us out. Come say hey. And if you have any questions, like please feel free to reach out. Thanks, Jen, for being awesome and being on the podcast. Oh my gosh, being on the podcast with me as I stroke out of in the end. Of course. <laughs>